Now, health and well-being with our resident naturopath, Russell Setright. Australia's best-known naturopath, author of Get Well in the Golden Years, Russell Setright to talk about health and well-being. Hello, Russell. Cancer and exercise. Uh, The best medicine to keep prostate cancer away is to stay physically fit, you say? Well, you know, they've looked at these studies and what they've found that it changes hormones for the better and and exercise is associated with a reduction in many cancers. Now, we do know they looked at prostate cancer with this one, but uh, exercise has been shown to not only help with cancer, but also help with the memory and the brain as well. So, and and it doesn't have to. You don't have to run marathons. Um, they're, they're looking at you know if you can do three times a week where you're getting your heart rate up to about seventy percent of the maximum heart rate for age. Mm. If you want to work that out? That's two hundred and twenty less your age uh, gives you your maximum heart rate for age. Oh, okay. All and then right. if you take seventy percent of that. Providing you haven't got a medical condition where the doctors don't want you to work out that much, mm. that's a good one to try and get up to 20, 20 minutes of, say about three times a week, and that's ample. But even a bit of a fast walk. You know, a slow walk, well, we all walk miles around the house to walk up from the one TV to the lounge, you know. <laughs> but um, So you need to just get the walk going, but you don't have to do power walks, just a little bit more brisk than normal, just getting that blood pressure up a little bit and the heart rate up a little bit. And that's been shown to help with the immune system. It's been shown to help with prostate cancer. So there's a lot of good things with exercise. And, of course, it helps maintain weight. But the biggest thing with weight, of course, is diet. Yes, of course. Uh, Big study of uh, 57,000 Swedish men, apparently, that said, uh, what is it here, cardiorespiratory fitness... Uh, by just 3% lowers the risk of developing prostate cancer by a staggering 35%. Huge, uh, isn't it? If you can just improve your cardiorespiratory fitness that much, 3%. Yeah, obviously worthwhile. And like you say, you don't have to run the marathon. No, uh, 3% is not a big, you know, really, 3% improvement in cardiovascular fitness is minor. Yeah. So for a 30, 35% reduction in the risk of the most common cancer in men uh, and the most and more men uh, die of prostate cancer than women of breast cancer. So mm. it's a pretty serious one. Research yeah. links, I guess we shouldn't be surprised at any of this, research linking pollution, lifestyle and diet to rising dementia rates. Yeah, look, um, a couple of things looked at that one. It was an interesting one looking at the ancient Romans. They looked at that and they found that two and a half thousand years ago, there was, in the writings, there was hardly any mention of dementia. Mm. And we know that plenty of people lived into their 80s. You know, we know that um, uh, Ramesses II, he was around 90 years of age. He was Egyptian. So it wasn't that we all lived to 40 years of age. That happened when we had bad food in England, poor sewerage, lousy water, and down with the the lifespan. When they were living all right back there, there was no dementia until they started using lead pipes. Oh, yes. So then they looked at, as it moved on, the increased risk of this is associated with, one, the pollution in the air, which is a bit like the Romans and the lead pipes, because mm. we've got lead in the atmosphere as well. Yeah. And the other thing is the introduction of junk food. Mm. And so with that, we're getting an increase in dementia 
and Alzheimer's that according to these studies, and they looked at thousands of, of journals and writings and hypocrisies, writings and all of these, they, they looked at closely and found that there was very limited amount of a problem with dementia back in those days. So it's a modern condition that we can do something about. We talked, I mentioned exercise just a minute ago. We talked about being beneficial for cancer, but also for memory. And um, I think if we can put off dementia until you're about 120, that would be an ideal. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) And you think that convenience food plays a large role in this? Well, I definitely do, but so does all the experts. Yeah. Because what you're doing with these foods is you're getting plenty of calories, you're putting on plenty of weight, but you're not missing out on the micronutrients. So the types of food that we ate back then compared to what we eat now Mm. is nothing like it. There was a much bigger um, cross-section types of foods that we ate, lots of different fruits and vegetables because we ate in season. So now we can have oranges 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Yeah. But back then they didn't. So you'd have your apples come in, your oranges come in, different fruits, strawberries in and out. And that gave a variety of foods that we had. Then we had different meats and we had liver and we had lamb, fry and bacon. We ate brains. And people listening out there go, oh, but remember what your <laughs> mum gave you? And yes. they'll go, oh, yes, we did have that after all. And there was less dementia. There was less of a lot of things. When I was younger, did you really hear a lot about allergies? No. I didn't. No. Allergies were a fairly rare thing. Yeah. Um, and, they, and even asthma, and I checked this out by going back in the Bureau of Statistics and looking at death rates in, of asthma, going back into the late 1800s right up. And way back then, it was very, very rare. Now, when we look, at, it's not hard to diagnose someone who can't breathe properly and dies. So it wasn't misdiagnosis. So we had, we've increased that as well. And a lot of that's to do with the type of foods we're eating because we're missing out on the vitamins and minerals and other things that we should have in the diet, the amount of fiber to get our gut bacteria working properly. And in that, we're starting to pay the price of these diseases. We may, some, we're not really living any longer as we, we go back and we find the average person is living uh, a little as longer, but people live just as long if they did the right thing 2,000 years ago. So what, we, what we're doing wrong is we're suffering these diseases, but we're staying alive because we're taking medicines. Yeah. But we, that doesn't mean we've got quality. We know how to treat it. Yeah. I suppose in many ways I was kind of lucky being a kid on the farm. You know, it was amazing when I look at it. We would uh, walk for miles and... Uh, play on the little volcano, which, of course, we were told we weren't to because it was a bit dangerous, but it was irresistible. And we'd yeah. get around in bare feet. And yeah. I don't remember anybody, well, the school wasn't very big that I went to, but I don't think anybody had asthma or allergies or any of those It was things. very rare. Yes. Yeah, it was very rare. Um, and, look, yeah, I, I lived um, what, 25 k's away from the beach, from yeah. Manly Beach. I lived... But I used to get on the bike, my push bike, and ride it down to the beach on the weekend for a swim. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I was a naughty boy at that age of 15. I might catch a truck going up the hill and hang on the back of it to get up some of the hills. But, you know, <laughs> please don't do that, folks. Listen. No, don't do that at home, no. But, but, 
Back in those days, trucks were a lot slower. <laughs> you could overtake them in a bush fight. Yeah, I suppose so. But uh, yeah, thinking back, I, I suppose I was lucky with the walking, and I did spend a lot of my life walking. I was lucky enough to live in some areas where there were nice walks. What about Champion. this? Champion. Traditional yep. herbal medicine may have another vital role in the disinfection of contact lenses. What's this about? Okay, this is an interesting one. Now, this is the cinchona tree, which is um, they use the bark of this tree for treatment of malaria. Mm. So that's where quinine comes from. Yes. And they've been using that for centuries for treating malaria. In fact, uh, it's still used and, and it can be a successful treatment and prevention of people during the Second World War. Troops were given quinine to help prevent them getting malaria. Indeed they were, in, yeah. In the jungles. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a very important drug. What they've found is that actually, particularly now we're moving into antibiotic resistance, that many... Um, because the eyes are very sensitive to infection as well, mm. and often contact lenses are dipped in solution to kill all the bugs, so they're safe to put in the eyes. Yep. But a lot of these bugs are now used to this, and they're still getting problems with infection getting in the eyes. So I don't know who came up with the idea of it, but they someone soaked it in um, hydroquinone, which is uh, a quinine that they use for malaria, and they found that it had very powerful antibiotic-type principles and was able to kill bacteria and viruses that we no longer can kill with our, our normal methods. So uh, it's, isn't that, I mean, we've got this ancient herbal medicine, and I say ancient because it's been used for this for thousands of years, mm. coming out, and of course it's used for cramps as well, um, and it's used to put in tonic water to give it a taste, I suppose. But... Um, but what we've got to realise here that we're finding new benefits for old medicines that were originally herbal medicines. And I think we've got to relook at a lot of these medicines that were old ones. We go, oh, yes, that's an old herbal one. We don't, we've got something new now. And really look back at it and say, well, how good was it? Because being not just one singular entity, quite often there's other things in there and it can be a lot more useful for other treatments. we found some of these things used now for treatment of cancer. So I think it's very important that we don't close the door on the old traditional medicines, that we continue looking at them because they quite often do more than one thing. It's interesting. Thanks, Russell. Appreciate your insights as always. My pleasure. You have a lovely morning. Take care, everyone. Russell Setright, of course, is Australia's best-known naturopath and author of Get Well in the Golden Years.